Good morning. Welcome to Church of the Palms. My name is Joan Emrich, and I serve as a deacon in our congregation. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us bow our heads as we prepare for worship. All-powerful God, we invoke your presence among us, for we need the knowledge and energy that you alone can provide. Your ways are wonderful beyond our understanding. When we str strength is spent, when our vision clouded, and our hope is gone, you reach out to us in ways we often fail to discern. We take heart to think that you are calling us to yourself, opening our eyes to see your wonders as if for the very first time. We want to be part of your faithful remnant in a world that is too often loses sight of the holy. Help us, we pray. Amen. Now, as we worship together, may our hearts receive his Holy Spirit, our ears listen to his word, and our voices be raised in praise to the glory of God.
Will you please stand for the call to worship? <clears throat> oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Let us worship God.
Inspired by the amazing women at our IF gathering yesterday, I say to you that whatever challenge you may be facing in your life, don't ask, am I enough? Will I be safe? What will it cost? This book is about a great and good God who makes promises to us, promises that he always keeps, telling us that he is more than enough. He is our safe place, regardless of what this life brings. It will cost us, because we must learn to die to self and live for him. But the payback is a better story in this life and an eternity with Jesus in heaven. We begin living that better life, that better story, by confessing our sins. Let us pray. We confess, O oh God, that our lives have made of you a distant deity. We listen to what others say about you, but we have seldom glimpsed for ourselves who you are. We are dominated by our doubts instead of by our practice of prayer. We are not ready to repent in dust and ashes, but we do ask for mercy as we face up to sins we have not recognized and wrongdoing we have tried to ignore. Instill in us a new appreciation of righteousness and help us to grow in the way you would have us to go. In Jesus' name, amen. One of God's great promises to us is that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I declare to you in the name of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. You have been set free to walk in newness of life in Jesus Christ and to begin writing a better story with your life through the power of the Holy Spirit. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. state what we believe using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, 
the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now we invite you in the love of Christ to turn and warmly greet your neighbors. Good morning. morning. Welcome to Church of the Palms. We are glad you have found your way to this place for us to be together to worship God and to be about the calling of God in our lives and the world. We hope that you will find this to be a welcome place and a place where you can do those things and leave here with a little bit of the light of Christ in you such that it might be shared with a world that yearns to hear of a little hope. We, are, uh, we always encourage you to fill out our friendship pads, which are in the pews, and pass those along. We notice uh, faces, familiar faces, who are back with us from up north, and that's a wonderful thing. And we uh, have been recently encouraging people, when they fill out the friendship pad, to put down their email address, uh, especially if you would like for us to communicate with you uh, sometimes during the week, or if you want to hear of a sudden announcement or news that you want. Uh, that's timely. We would love to have that email address so we can get that information to you right away as opposed to you waiting from Sunday to Sunday. And also, of course, you can check our website, which is uh, chock full of everything that you need to know about what is happening here at Church of the Palms. So we hope that you will help us with that. We uh, had a wonderful weekend this weekend. Uh, the, the campus was buzzing yesterday with our IF gathering, women in the campus center inspiring, inspired and challenged to be faithful in their walk with Jesus Christ. And then last night we had our trunk or treat. And uh, many of you were there and uh, opened up your cars into biblical scenes and characters. And it was so exciting to see so many children and families from our neighborhood, from our tutoring ministry, from our early childhood center there, getting a little taste of what we are about here at Church of the Palms, as well as a little bit of chocolate. 
So we are, um, we're grateful for that. And we're grateful also just for those ongoing ministries. Just uh, last weekend, we had our 90s plus luncheon where we had over 80 of our 90 plus folks here to be in hospitality and in fellowship with one another. And that was also a wonderful thing. So a couple of things to call to your attention. We have our Honduras mission that is uh, in the formations for February, two trips going down to Honduras, vacation Bible school trip and a construction trip. And uh, we talked about this last week. You might want to learn more about that immediately after the service over in the chapel reception room. You'll have a chance to hear about that. Uh, just even if you're this tad bit curious, it's a perfect time for you to go over, you know, no commitments being asked, just learn more about what is happening and how you might want to be a part of it. So join us right after the service in the chapel reception room. Our tutoring ministry, as you can see in the little brochure flyer that's in your bulletin, that little thing that comes out, you'll see uh, over a hundred needs in our tutoring ministry. This is one of those uh, one of those illustrations of when you, when you begin to sort of touch the need in the community, you realize how enormous it is. And we have over 100 opportunities for tutors to be involved in tutoring children in our community. Only an hour a week can help us to put a dent in our effort to respond to this need. So take a look at that. This has everyone's name on it. Isn't that great? And uh, you can reach out to Judy afterwards and she would be glad to take your name and this would be an opportunity for us again for the Church of the Palms to sh shine its light in the world and to make the love of God very, very tangible. Uh, we have a couple new classes beginning on Wednesday. Uh, the Story of the Prodigal Son being taught by Will and Mingy Brown. Uh, one gonna be a very compelling class, a class on prayer by Bill Lewis and another class that will put, uh, make very, very tangible our our walk of faith. And then also a new singles group is beginning to, well, has begun to meet and will be continue to meet tomorrow night over in the Campus Center. If you count yourself a single, we would love to have you join us for that. And next week, unless you would like to come, and not that we won't want you to come an hour early for worship, but next week you get to put that clock back an hour and grab yourself an extra hour of sleep. Beth Ellis is here, I believe. Where is Beth? Where is Beth? There's Beth. Beth, come and join us and share with us a little bit about our Angel Tree Ministry. Good morning. The Salvation Army is a Christian-based organization that serves our community in many ways. As Christmas approaches, we as a church have an opportunity to assist the Salvation Army to meet the needs within our community by adopting a senior or a child through the Angel Tree program. The Christmas Angel Tree will be set up under the Fellowship Tree starting November 8th. You can be an angel by taking a gift request and returning that gift to the church by December 4th. You can choose from Salvation Army's wish list for senior citizens and children or items needed for other missions of the church, such as Resurrection House and Good Samaritan Mission in Waimama. Be an angel and brighten Christmas for someone who may otherwise be forgotten. Contact me if you have any questions. Thank you.
What a beautiful morning to hear great music and then together as a congregation to come to prayer. Shall we pray together? Oh Lord God, uh, it is such a blessing that we're feeling this day as we come together for worship. <clears throat> we look around us and we see sisters and brothers, people who share our faith and those who share our joys and our sorrows. We look at the cross and see a symbol of your commitment to your, our salvation and to your amazing grace. We look in our word of God and see that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us and that you search for us when we are lost and that you celebrate with the angels when we are found. We rejoice and give thanks for your offer of love and friendship, O oh God, for your presence with us and your sacrifice for us. We thank you for answers to many prayers. We thank you for friends who are faithful, for people we can call on and count upon when we are stretched beyond our limits. We thank you for the forgiveness of sins and the new life, and we thank you for the sense of purpose that we derive from your call to continue your work. And thank you for this church, Lord, for the teachers and mentors who have cared enough to speak the truth in love to us for the insight that comes after struggle, for hard-won uh, maturity, and undeserved second and sometimes third and fourth chances. Thank you for role models who are willing to be honest and show us that you just don't call extraordinary people to follow Jesus, but you call ordinary people like us, and you make them extraordinary. You are so gracious, and that is good, O Lord, because sometimes we're slow learners. You show us the way, but we seek some kind of a shortcut so often that won't take that much time or effort. Or we seek ways that are safe and certain and obvious and easy. Lord, teach us to be wiser if we would try to be your servants and accomplish something bigger. We pray for the needs of each person in our body. No one of us may know the burdens that are being carried, but you know, and you invite us to come to you with everything in prayer, even what we do not know. There are some, conf some confronting difficult decisions. So others who are caregivers, and though it's a calling, sometimes can be life-draining. And there are those whose eyes are flooded with tears of pain this morning and grief. So we pray that you'll send your spirit to lead people through their valleys, May they, in the midst of this, be filled with positive memories of what you've done in their lives and fill their hearts with comfort and resurrection hope. We know with confidence that you can do this because of what you've already done for us. Our hearts break for our world again this week, Lord, for the violence, the injustice, the needless losses of life at home, families at the edge of despair, Sometimes it feels hopeless. And so we pray, O oh Lord, that you, the overcomer of the grave, can convey some of your resurrection power to this world in which we live and bring out of it some harmony, humility, a renewed sense of perspective, and a new hunger and thirst for your love to become the rule of the land. We pray that your bold and life-giving spirit say, so move many hearts with the barriers that divide them and break them down. Be with our leaders and those in the armed services seeking to protect and serve peace 
and be with our growing youth group as they are away and we join them in the excitement of spiritual growth. May we always remember the word of the psalmist, there's nowhere to go where you're not already there. Help us all to claim that promise and be open to the leadings of your spirit so we may reflect the light of our Lord Jesus who has taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We invite the ushers to come forward and to lead us in the giving of our tithes and offerings.
us pray. Lord, thank you for your blessings that you have showered so bountifully upon us. As we give back to you a part of what you've blessed us with, may it be used for your glory, and may it make us feel good about the way that we are giving to a God who is total love. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. And we're going to invite the children to come in uh, up front and to join Lori. Thank you. Good morning. So just a quick reminder to our families that today is the day to turn in your artwork for the Advent devotional. You guys, you're going to get your socks rocked because the kids have illustrated the whole Advent devotional and adults and teens have written the devotions. So look out for that. I am so excited to be worshiping today. It's like my favorite time of the week. So we're going to do something a little different. If you'd stand up. And would you guys join us? Please stand up as well. And join along as you're comfortable and as you're able. Maestro. You put your right hand in. You put your right hand out. You put your right hand in. And you shake it all about. You do the hokey pokey and you turn yourself about. That's what it's all about. Woo! Nice. Well done. You may have a seat. Thank you. You guys are way, way better than I expected. So you guys know the rest of the verses of that, right? Then you put your left hand in and your right foot and your left foot in your head. And the best part is at the end when you put your whole self in and you dance with all your might. Now, I want you to imagine that everybody in this room is dancing with all their might. That's what our Bible lesson is about today. King David is walking into Jerusalem, and they're carrying the Ark of the Covenant. Does anybody know what the Ark of the Covenant is? Raiders of the Lost Ark, anyone? No. So, it is the most beautiful box made of gold. But that's not the most precious thing. It's what's inside. It's the Ten Commandments that God had given to Moses. It's even better than that because you know what? The Israelite people knew that this was the presence of God that they were carrying with them. So sometimes they took it into battle with them and something terrible happened. One day, they were against the Philistines and the Philistines won. And they captured the Ark of the Covenant they had it for years. So finally, King David and all of his men got the Ark of the Covenant back. They're carrying it into Jerusalem. King David is so overjoyed, he is dancing with all his might. He's got his whole self in, and it's this crazy, wonderful worship of God. And I wonder, what if we brought our whole self in to worship God? Maybe it's not the hokey pokey, but what if we bring our hearts, our minds, our bodies, everything that we've got to worship our God Almighty? That is something that I think God would really smile about. And guess what? We all do it in our own style, but let's think about that. When we come on Sunday mornings to worship God, step right in and worship with your whole self. Will you pray with me? Almighty God, Lord of the dance, we worship you. We adore you. We praise you with our whole heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
You may be seated. It's wonderful to have all these choirs here this morning. Great to have our bell choir. It's always wonderful for your great gifts and the praise and glory singers. It's great to have you here. And of course, our mainstays, the chancel choir. Aren't we blessed with his amazing music? It's a good thing, isn't it? Yeah. We are in the midst of our continued story of God unfolding through the Old Testament, and today we are in 2 Samuel chapter 6, beginning at the first verse. As you hear the story, or perhaps even read along with me, uh, listen to the emotion, uh, emotion coming from various sources and persons. Listen to the emotion that takes place in this great story of God. So here, the word of God as it comes to us from 2 Samuel chapter 6, beginning with the first verse. David again gathered all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000, and David and all the people with him set out and went from Baal Judah to bring up from there the ark of God, which is called by the name of the Lord of hosts, who was enthroned on the cherubim. They carried the ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. Uzzah and Ohio, the sons of Abinadab, were driving the new cart with the ark of God, and Ohio went in front of the ark. David and all the house of Israel were dancing before the Lord with all their might, with songs and lyres and harps and tambourines and castanets and cymbals. When they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Uzzah reached out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen shook it. The anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and God struck him there because he reached out his hand to the ark, and he died there beside the ark of God. David was angry because the Lord had burst forth with an outburst upon Uzzah, so that the place is called Perazah to this day. David was afraid of the Lord that day. He said, how can the ark of the Lord come into my care? So David was unwilling to take the ark of the Lord into his care in the city of David. Instead, David took it to the house of Obedidim the Gittite. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obedidim the Gittite three months, and the Lord blessed Obedidim and all his household. It was told King David, the Lord has blessed the household of Obedidim and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obedidim to the city of David with rejoicing. And when those who bore the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, he sacrificed an ox and a fatling. And David danced before the Lord with all his might. David was girded with a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. As the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, daughter of Saul, looked out of the window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. We do bring to you, O Lord, in the best way that we know how, our full selves into this moment of worship. 
And even before this reading of the word of God, we pray that you allow these words to come to point to this word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ. For we pray this in his name, amen. I remember with great fondness an exchange that took place over and over again during my adolescent years. The scene is a McConnell family trip. My older brothers were already out of the house, and so typically I'm thinking of this moment when it was just mom, dad, and me in the car. Dad usually driving, me usually riding shotgun, and mom usually in the backseat reading. She was a voracious reader and so often ignored this exchange that would repeatedly take place between me and my father. And the exchange was over the radio. <laughs> the one car radio. These were not the times of three iPods, iPads, and iPhones into which we would each lose ourselves and thus avoid any exchange, any conversation. No, but the one car radio and the ensuing negotiation over which music to listen to. Fortunately, my two older brothers had negotiated years before the ground rules for this little game, the game that my father and I would participate in, and the ground rules were these. Dad would get a half hour of his music, and whoever was shotgun got a half hour of their music, and then we would rotate from one half hour to the next. So when it came to Dad and me, it was for Dad a half hour of Glenn Miller, Tommy Dorsey, Adagio for strings, box prelude and fugue in C minor. <laughs> and then for me, a half hour of Deep Purple, Uriah Heep, Edgar Winter, and the Rolling Stones. Closely, the two of us would then watch our watches so that not a minute would extend beyond this torturous time <laughs> of having to listen to other, the other's music. And of course, all along the way, my father and I would offer running commentary to the demerits of the music that we were listening to. Occasionally, Dad would say that as he was maybe listening to Mitch, Mick Jagger screech away, you know, somebody should really put that guy out of his misery. <laughs> I think he needs a doctor. He sounds like he's in a lot of pain. And then, of course, I would respond with such things as, I didn't know it was legal to pay, play this music outside of an elevator, Dad. You know, if you listen too long, you'll fall asleep at the wheel. So on and on we would go in good humor, trying together to navigate the generational musical divide. One car, one radio, two different people. Now, of course, I date myself when I tell that story. The thought of such a negotiation in these times of the aftermath of Steve Jobs is nearly impossible to comprehend, right? For those especially born after 1990, no need, right, to listen to anything you don't want to listen to. No need to watch anything you don't want to watch. No need to even participate with those you don't want to participate with. So for all of us, no matter where we are born, where, when we were born, it is the pattern, right, for music, for TV, political commentary, theology, just, just put the earbuds on and listen to whoever you like or agree with. It takes place in all sorts of organizations. The church is not immune. The people of God, because we are so fully human, tend to cluster around our likes and dislikes, tastes and passions, and figuratively, we have this temptation 
to put on the earbuds. While I was away this summer, I happened to be driving through rural North Carolina on a Sunday morning, and there was this, this patch of road where you couldn't drive more than a quarter mile without seeing a little church. A little church that had a little parking lot, and that little parking lot was usually full of cars, a Baptist church and Methodist church and Pentecostal church and Presbyterian church and Episcopal church and black church and white church. And, and while it was wonderful to see all these little churches and all these cars parked in their little parking lots, it made you wonder whether all these folks going to all these little churches all within three miles of each other, if it wasn't just another way of putting on the earbuds. I don't know that there's any way around that. It often shows up even inside of congregations. We show up in different kinds of worship. They said that for the long time, longest time that the most segregated hour of the week is 11 o'clock on Sunday, and that used to be commentary between the white church and the black church and the racial divide between the two, but it's also commentary, isn't it, on musical taste and style. I worship this way, you worship that way, I can't get get that kind of worship, I don't understand that kind of worship, too much dancing there, too much hokey pokey there, too much <laughs> quiet over there. I like this preacher, you like this preacher, and on and on it goes. And instead of listening to one radio, we sometimes put on the earbuds. And so you wonder if there isn't a little bit of this going on when we read of David and his people parading the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem, it's quite a moment, not unlike that burning bush in the holy ground. The Ark of the Covenant is this holy sign of the presence of God, not to be tampered with, not to get your fingerprints on, not even to be steadied as Uzzah learned the hard way. And then comes that moment when David, who has the ark is making its way into the center of Jerusalem, loses himself in this moment of gratitude and worship and praise, loses himself in the moment, strips both body and soul. His gratitude is exposed, vulnerable worship. And sure enough, someone doesn't like it. One of David's wives, Michael, she's just not happy. David has not acted like a king. He has not acted presidential. He's been too thankful. He is not to Michael's liking, not to her taste. Why, it's just downright shameful, she says, and we can understand. I suspect if my next move today was to strip down to a linen covering that leaves little to the imagination, it might be my last act in this church. <laughs> it wouldn't be just Michael complaining. So David goes home and gets a what for. Later in our story, she says, Michael says, how can the king of Israel, how the king of Israel, she says, how the king of Israel honored himself today uncovering himself before the eyes of his servant's maze as any vulgar man might do. How dare he, she wonders. And David's response is, oh, but it was before the Lord I danced. It was before the Lord I danced. 
And in those words are found that deep and simple truth behind what we all struggle to do, right? We all aim to do. We all want permission to do. It was before the Lord that I danced. We just want that moment when somehow, some way, we can give ourselves unleashingly to God. Our praise, our thanks, our gifts, our confession, our pain, our questions. And the challenge, of course, comes in that we all choose to do this in a different way. Even in the sanctuary, there are as many ways we do these things as there are people in the pews. Yes, we, we say our common creed, we preach out of the same scriptures, but then we, we bring our hearts and our minds and our souls and our emotions and our silences before the Alpha and the Omega. And it's before the Lord that we dance. Tony Campolo tells the story of leading worship at his local church and leading the congregation in prayer. And after the service, a member of his church came to him and said, Dr. Campolo, I just want you to know that I heard seven grammatical errors in your prayer this morning. <laughs> and Campolo, without missing a beat, replied, that's all right, lady, I wasn't talking to you anyway. <laughs> It was before the Lord that I danced. And so the psalmist says, oh, praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with clanging cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that breathes praise the Lord. And the truth is, all those instruments are maybe not all going to be to our liking, right? Some we're not even used to. But the entire Psalter ends with the words, right? Let everything that breathes praise the Lord. Emphasis on the word let. Because the truth is, whenever and wherever we might arrive in some sacred space, wherever two or three are gathered, there is this mystery of the soul sitting right next to you. And we just don't know what worship is taking place right in that soul right next to you. For some, it's dancing. For some, it's silent meditation. For some, it's the, the blasting out of an ancient hymn. For others, it's singing a praise song. For some, it's hands up. For others, it's hands clasped. For some, it's thank you, God. And for others, why me, God? But for everything that breathes, it is the sacred mystery of expression. Makes me think of my mother's favorite hymn, a hymn entitled, Jerusalem the Golden. Don't look it up in your hymn book. It's not there. It hasn't been in the Presbyterian hymn book since 1955. And these days, whenever it gets dusted off, it's a rather laborious hymn for most people to sing simply because they don't know it. But she knew it. And it was a product of her Methodist days, and she just loved it. So the time came when my grandfather passed away and my mother's father and the Sunday following the funeral, we were back in church, me sitting next to my mom, my father leading worship, and we opened the bulletin and there it was, Jerusalem the Golden. My father had placed it in the service for one person that day, one person, his bride. 
And so the time came to sing, and I look over to my mother, and she's not singing. She's weeping. The rest of us are stumbling through this unfamiliar hymn, and one woman in the 500 is weeping before the Lord. And the rest of us, unbeknownst to most of us, are there to help her as best we can. Jerusalem the golden with milk and honey blessed, beneath thy contemplation sink heart and soul oppressed. I know not, oh I know not, what joys await us there, what radiance of glory, what bliss beyond compare. Of course we know this to be true, that the church has always been that place where we gather to help each other to offer what we have to the Lord, to dance, to weep, to serve, to pray, to shout, to whisper. For to everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. And we are at our best, aren't we, when we walk into places like these and it's not about us, but it's about the one and only and it's about that mysterious soul right next to us. The Danish philosopher Soren Kierkegaard reminded us long ago that inside these spaces, the audience is not us. The audience is God. And all of us are the performers. We sing and when we sing, we sing before the Lord. And we pray, and when we pray, we pray before the Lord. And when we dance, we dance before the Lord. And when we clap, we clap before the Lord. When we sit silent, we sit silent before the Lord. A pastor friend of mine shared a story with me about an elder in his church who was in one of their worship services and they were singing a song not to his liking it was uh, too modern, too upbeat, too loud, too many different instruments. And with every line, he felt angrier and angrier until he looked over and saw a friend of his, 20 years his senior, around 80 years old, and he could see him doing his best to sing the song. And he knew it wasn't his song either but he was humbled to see that he was trying because he knew that probably it was important to somebody else. So I love when Jesus tells the stories about the different worshipers, the one about the man who's dumping bags of money into the temple coffers, followed by that widow slipping those two little cents. Or the Pharisee praying aloud, reminding God how lucky God is that he's got this Pharisee on his side Next to him, the tax collector who was just pouring out his soul, begging for mercy. This sacred mystery of expression. One never knows what emotion lies deep within that mysterious soul right next to you. You know, in that battle of the radio, my father got the better of me. Not that he was trying to get the better of me, but he did. I never gave up loving rock and roll, and I play it most of the time in my car, on my car radio. But I sure came to love the orchestra, too. 
And I'm more apt to show up at a Van Wiesel concert for a symphony than for a reunion tour of Deep Purple. <laughs> and what blessing there was when I got to sit with my daddy in those last few years with his Alzheimer's keeping him from any conversation, to sit in his den in what became a holy of holies and listen without negotiation the music that fell sweetly upon my ears only because it fell sweetly upon his. For it was before the Lord that we danced. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen.